0: Academy Sports and Outdoors wants everyone to stay safe while doing more of what they love. So whether you're planning a fishing trip, heading to the driving range, prepping for your upcoming hunt, or firing up the grill before the big game, we have all the gear you need to enjoy more sports and outdoors, all at the prices that you're going to love. And with the curbside pickup available, it's never been easier to shop all our brands in-store and online at academy.com. Because whatever you love doing, Academy Sports
1: and Outdoors is there to help you have more fun out there. This is Bulldogs by the Numbers. My name is Tug Coward along with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and Sports.com. It was a disappointing game for Georgia fans. Obviously, Florida fans love it. Passing game is a big difference between UGA and Florida. At the quarterback position, or is it wide receivers too, I kind of think quarterback probably the main problem there. And then 99.9%. Yeah. And then Todd Monkin <laughs> had a good game plan. He did. Do you feel like Kirby Smart is restricting? Todd Munkin and the Georgia offense in any way shape form or fashion or is that people imagining?
0: I don't yeah I don't think he restricts him in any way shape or form now I will say especially in games like this now last week you may have been able to make that comment in a way and I, I think there's been games especially last year where once the defense forces a punt and the defense is dominating the game there's probably a comment hey we're dominating defensively let's just not turn it over here that kind of thing but I, I don't think you see that this year when the ball is put in the air it's put in the air hey great distance yeah uh, and I got some interesting numbers on Stetson there in terms of how far down the field he throws the ball
1: well let's start with that then because I wrote down Stetson chooses some long passes even when it's not the best option there were several times when you had Cook in the flat there, there were opportunities to throw short to intermediate passes that would have gotten you further than the bomb that Stetson decided to throw
0: he just doesn't It's not in his DNA. Because when you look at the numbers, his average depth of target, which is how far down the field on average that he throws the ball, is 11.9 yards. And you might not think that's very much. That's actually the top in the conference by over a yard. And it's in the top five in the entire FBS. When he chooses to throw, he is pushing the ball down the field.
1: Do you think it's because he feels like he's got something to prove?
0: Not necessarily. you think about a lot of plays in in general – It's three-level reads. It's, all right, I'm looking for the deep ball first. The deep ball is taken away. Then I'm going intermediate. Then I'm going to the check down. And more often than not, and especially with Todd Monk's background, there's a deep ball option on on many of those plays. And he's just choosing to take that option more frequently than others. I know I put something on Twitter earlier today. Two big misses. The second and 10 play after Fitzpatrick's drop, 28-21 at that point. And you're sort of looking to keep the pressure on them and, and stay in the game offensively. And you get that initial drop off of a great play design, kind of a leak concept, much like what Florida did to you the entire game. And then the second and 10 play to Kiris that he threw just off and maybe a yard or two away. Then later in the game, the exact same play, same formation, same route combination, just different quarterback. Mathis, at this point, different receiver, Demetrius Robertson. Both of those balls just slightly overthrown big play opportunities. In essence, touchdown plays. In essence, your coordinator drew up a touchdown play, and you missed it.
1: Before we get to other big missed opportunities, when I looked at DeJuan Mathis' play, I didn't see that big of a drop-off from what he was doing, from what Stetson Bennett had been doing. They were both missing passes long.
0: you yeah. Two or three quarterbacks, you don't yeah, necessarily no. have one. And it's pretty obvious that right now they're just finding and searching for any kind of answer at the position. I, I liked some of the things Dewan did. I didn't like his body language it personally. Was awful. As, a co- as someone who coaches and coaches quarterbacks, his body language was not what you would want to see from somebody who's going to be leader of your team. It felt negative. You know, when you think about the totality of their performance on throws over 10 yards, the combination of the two quarterbacks were three of 19, and then they had the two. touchdowns that they you know that we got and then also the two interceptions but for just an overall passing grade for the game was 27.2 when you put that in perspective that is the worst single game passing grade for georgia any georgia team and any combination of quarterbacks in the pff era Wow. So that goes back to 2014. So seven years of grading that we've done in the college ranks, and that was the worst quarterback performance that they've had in in those seven years. When I look back and I thought, okay, well, is there anything close – to that the two games that come up both in 2015 against Alabama, so that was Grayson Lambert and Bryce Ramsey, and then the 2015 Florida game that Faton Bowda started.
1: Before we get to missed opportunities, is it time to try something new? You're splitting reps between Dewan Mathis, JT Daniels, and Carson Beck. Do you expect anybody but Dewan Mathis to be on the field versus Missouri? I'm hoping you see a little bit of Carson Beck. I, I look JT Daniels at this point is like he's like a mystery. I'm I'm not sure if he's really there or not. <laughs> So I'm, I'm going to leave him out. If Carson Beck is the future, why are we not going to use what's left in this season to get him some game time reps so he's ready for next year because this one's essentially over?
0: two things that are relevant there one you've seen Stetson Bennett and granted the team and the sort of the offense was playing well and he made a couple throws and then obviously on the touchdown that Rosemary Jackson ain't got his ankle put in spots it doesn't need to be put into then Stetson got his shoulder dinged on that same exact play so maybe how that game goes is a little different if that play does not happen but when you look at the totality of the quarterback situation Kirby Smart has really told the fans I think Quite directly, that these two give us the best chance to yeah. win. So that tells you about the other two that are in this race. Now, here's the key, though. And I wrote this after the game in sort of my post game reaction column on UGA Sports. No matter what, this season is about learning. Yes, some miracle might happen, and Florida loses two games down the strips. I don't think it's going to but happen, and There's it doesn't matter. I think the likelihood of that is very small,
1: and it doesn't matter because you're well, not going to exactly. be able to compete anyway, even if they do.
0: Correct. The rest of this season, you got four games, learn as much as you possibly can about the quarterbacks you have on your roster. That's all of them. Now, the key is, can they play? So can JT Daniels play? Is the need to the point where at least he can go out there, compete, and not risk any kind of damage, just doing normal things. That's the great unknown, obviously, because you, you haven't seen him. But Mathis, Daniels, and Beck should all play. Whether it's, hey, you get quarter one, you get quarter two, you get quarter three, or hey, you get the first three series, you get the next three series. At this point, it doesn't matter. You're right. You have to find out what you have in the game because you didn't get a spring practice. So right. now use these last four games to see what you have, but have a plan. Have a specific plan. That way, whatever quarterback is playing knows, hey, first half, second half, first quarter, second quarter, first three series, next three series, whatever it is. And that way they can go in there and play confident. Not going in there being like, hey, I'm going to start you, but if you stink, I'm pulling you. You can't do that. You have to have a plan with, if you're going to play multiple guys.
1: This is Bulldogs by the Numbers. Tug Cowart with Brent Rollins from Pro Football Focus and UGASports.com. All right, let's go to those missed opportunities. Overthrows, there were missed short the intermediate throws, there were so many opportunities to do more than Georgia did. Not that they deserved to win, but they could have put themselves in a position to win had they not missed all those. Correct.
0: The sad part about it is not just offensive missed opportunities. There were multiple plays on the defensive side of the ball where the ball is just up in the air and it's ready for you to get the Mark Webb play and the Mark yeah. Webb drop interception. I mean, if you get that pick six right there and make it a 41-35 to 35 game, with something around seven-ish minutes left in the game, Florida is beyond sweating at that point. Your team is beyond jacked up at that point. That entire game becomes nitty-gritty if that pick six happens. So it wasn't just the Fitzpatrick drop. It wasn't just some overthrows within the passing game. It was also some defensive plays that were there to be made that just weren't.
1: Yeah, I don't know how they fix that. Injury, I think, plays a little bit of there, right? Very much so. Injuries in bunches
0: often affects you more than – you, know, you might have five guys out, but it's one guy in five different position groups. Now when you go count out, seen out with targeting slash probably concussion, now your two starting safeties are gone. That is just a compounding effect. Also along the defensive line, you had no Jordan Davis, no Julian Rochester. On Florida's second touchdown, the run right at the middle from Damian Pierce, you had true freshmen, Nazir Stackhouse, redshirt freshman Zion Logan there that just got owned at least on that play on the goal line. You know, those are guys who are just now getting some time. So it's when you have multiple in one position that injuries affect you.
1: Yeah, I, I sit and scratch my head and <laughs> why – Is a program like Georgia struggling the way they do? I don't have an answer for him. When people ask me, I don't have an answer. I know it all comes down to quarterback play. You've recruited across the board. You're one of the best recruiters in the country. You have the best players in the country, yet you're playing like middle-of-the-pack SEC team.
0: Yeah, and it's a twofold issue. One, against every other team that doesn't have a quarterback, their defense is what it's reported to be and talked about being. It's the best in college football. But when you play an offense that has a quarterback that's going to throw the ball accurately, by the way, Trask and how they threw the ball accurately in this game, it wasn't as much his accuracy. It was wide open, just hit layups. Wide open receivers who were streaking down the side. We saw the the wheel route combination. What you talked about with the lack of pressure on him. I think he was only pressured on 14 of his 44 dropbacks. So it's a combination of that that you know we've talked about this ad nauseum. You know, we even sort of juggling on Twitter. Hey, let's get a T-shirt made. Offense means more. It just does. And that's why I think these last four games become a learning process, not just offensively, but defensively. Because you're going to play a team this week in Missouri who has concepts and runs a lot of things that can hurt you and that other teams have hurt you with. In the past, and they have a quarterback who can make some throws. So, experimenting with coverages, experimenting with personnel, especially this week in the next game against Mississippi State, who's going to chuck it all over the yard, it's a great learning time for them defensively, as much as it is you're now learning to see, all right, who we have a quarterback and can we have somebody that can execute?
1: See, I don't think many people are putting any responsibility on the defense. It's really the first time I've heard anybody really say it. So, it's interesting because I don't think people are diving deep enough in to realize lost that
0: no, and the numbers are what they are. I mean, over the past four meaningful games against high-level offenses and elite quarterbacks, or at least accurate quarterbacks, 2018 against Alabama, 2019 against LSU, and then the two games this year against Alabama and Florida, you have averaged giving up 500 yards a game and 39 points a game. No matter what you do offensively, you can still stop them on defense. Just because your offense isn't keeping up with them doesn't mean you can't stop them too. So it's a, it's got to be a learning process over the next four games and really over the entire offense season for Georgia to look at what blow down elite quarterbacks because in essence they have you figured out right now
1: and I'd written down it was a graphic from CBS Sports it said Georgia had given up 41 to Bama and Florida and 40 in all the other games and it goes exactly back to what you're talking about the defense is the toughest in the nation against quarterbacks that aren't elite but in the world that we live in 2020 college football where offense means more they get exposed Yep, and the
0: biggest thing in 2020 college football is elite quarterbacks are now at elite programs. That's the difference, and really, I, I think a lot of that credit goes to Dabo Swinney as much as anyone.
1: For starting because
0: it? Because he realized early – that he's not going to be able to recruit and play the style to beat Alabama and be more physical than Alabama in any part of the game. So if you can't be more physical, you just got to be faster on the outside and have a great quarterback. And he started that trend, and you've seen that now to where the upper echelon programs are recruiting those players primarily. Not that they didn't before, but the style of play didn't maybe didn't necessarily mess with that. And now it is at the top program: Ohio State, Clemson. Alabama, Oklahoma, sort of from an offensive standpoint, those teams are going to be up there because of the way they affect people in the passing game.
1: Uh, Though Oklahoma not really able to do anything with it once they play elite competition either, though. Right. So that's, exactly. that's the difference there, I think, with Oklahoma. Yeah, they had the right idea, but I don't think they're able to implement it. The other thing is that Georgia doesn't appear to have the right idea. I feel like they're <laughs> probably trending that way, maybe, with Todd Monken, but I don't know that they have the right idea because they don't have a uh, an elite quarterback. So is Georgia trending in the right direction, at least for the future? And does Georgia have a problem getting, keeping, and developing quarterbacks?
0: The Fields thing is an issue. For the kid, you want to see the kid succeed, but from a Georgia fan perspective, obviously, you wish that he were doing it in your jersey as opposed to another. But he's a supreme talent. He's playing at a level right now from an accuracy standpoint that is absurd. A, he's completing over 80% of his passes. And so I'm not taking anything that, away
1: from him because he is amazing and everything you said was right. I wish you were in the Georgia jersey.
2: Marketing is everywhere, from the billboards on the highways to the notifications on your phone. We are constantly bombarded with people trying to sell us stuff. What makes good marketing? Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions, and the marketing madmen have answers. Search the marketing madmen on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the marketing madmen every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why.
3: This morning in North Carolina, wheels are spinning
1: but he is playing in the Big Ten, which is down. I mean, it's not the most competitive of conferences.
0: Yeah, and it is. But you know, just from
3: a talent perspective,
0: there's, yeah, you know, he's going to be a top three pick. And you think about it, if you're Kirby Smart, you might not recruit a better offensive player in the next decade or ever at the most important position. Because you look at some of the people they've recruited, and the Andrew Thomases of the world that, are, that was a top five pick. They've had high level recruits, but not at that most important position. Now, next year, obviously, you have Brock Evandergriff that's committed that actually plays down the street for me here at Prince Avenue Christian. That's a yet to be seen. It's not a known commodity at this point. And the, the field thing you, go, you always go back to, it just because of what it does, it sets back your timeline. And then also what you thought you had, you were going to have with Jamie Newman. I mean, Jamie Newman coming in from Wake Forest from a talent perspective and the measurable size, arm strength, what he'd done at Wake Forest from a PFF grading standpoint, it would have been fun to see him in this offense. And you just didn't get that opportunity based upon his decision to opt out. I, I got a chance to meet the kid. I competed against the kid and played around some hoops and things like that with him. He's a phenomenal athlete, phenomenal competitor, leader. Everything about the kid was something that you wanted to see. It just obviously didn't work out for them and him at Georgia this season. So, all of these things are putting you in a position that you are right now. And I just would have wanted to see it. Yeah, me too. As a fan of that, I would have wanted to see him in this offense with the opportunities that are being created within Todd Monkin's offense as a run pass combination quarterback. That, you know, last year, when you look at his grading at Wake Forest on deep balls and on tight window throws, he had the second highest grade in the country right behind Joe Burrow. So, you know, he. The, the ability was there, and it's it was just un, it's unfortunate that you didn't get to see it. But it is what it is now, and you got to move on and figure out what the rest of this year's like.
1: Which, like you said, is nothing more than let's let everybody learn. Because for the most part, uh, outside opportunity, as I said earlier, even if you were to get into the SEC championship, you're probably going to get pounded by Alabama again, which is not what you want to happen. I'd just rather not go.
0: I, uh, I mean, hey, I would always rather be in the game and have the opportunity than not. So if Florida trips up twice, and you're in the game. You never know what can happen, and especially in a year of COVID. Who knows who's going to be on the field for the other team just as much as who's going to be on the field for you.
1: Yeah, I just hate the idea of losing to Alabama in the SEC championship again and that narrative (laughs) just continuing to exist. You can't beat Alabama. You can't get over the hump. Again, I'd rather have the
0: opportunity <laughs> right. to win the
1: game than not have the opportunity. Yeah, no, to win. I that, guess. and that's the that's the coach. That's in, right. me. No, that's the coach in
0: me Who maybe who believes those things? But whether that happens or not, you have to find some level of identity, and you have to find who can make reads, who can make plays, who's going to compete, who's going to lead our team. And I think that was probably what you saw as much as anything in the early season when when Stetson came in the game in Arkansas and then played like he did against Auburn is belief, confidence, things that you know the sort of the Im- immeasurable part that. non-numbers part of it you saw the non-measurable part of things really come into play
1: as a Georgia fan I don't know where you go for the first time since Kirby Smart has been the head coach we feel like our backs are against the wall we're at I don't know if it's a crossroads but we we certainly have taken a dip where we've not had this in a while so what do we do with it how do we correct it I think that's where most Georgia fans that's where their heads are
0: yes and Obviously, hey, look who you up in the season with next year, too. It's Clemson, who has not just one quarterback, but two. Yeah, and right. And the guy who's going to be there next year might be one of the top five, at least in terms of talent, top five quarterbacks in the country right now.
1: Yeah, DJ Ui Unglele look really good against uh, Notre Dame, even though they lost. I do think if Trevor Lawrence is in that game, the game is probably very different. But, uh, you know, might be versus what really was. Yeah, next year is going to be tricky. Where do Georgia fans go? Like, give me some number. Give me some reason to have hope.
0: Hmm. You stop their two best players for the most part. You know, last week when we talked about it, can you limit the big plays that Kyle Pitts has? Now, granted, Kyle Pitts had... Two big plays, and he didn't play the second half uh, because of the hit. And then also, Kadarius Toney, how can you make sure you can tackle him? Because he's obviously making people miss at a rate that was best in the SEC and one of the best in the FBS. Those two had 12 touches combined for 99 yards, and the touchdown, obviously, to Pitts uh, over Tyson Campbell. However, hmm. <laughs> they took massive advantage uh, with their running backs and other tight ends in the passing game to the tune of you know 362 yards receiving from the, the running backs and the tight ends. Trask was 10 of 11 for 212 yards to just the running backs alone. And then six of seven for 150 yards and two touchdowns to the tight end. So and I think the positive aspect, as much as anything, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you learn and learning from a defensive standpoint of going into games because both this game and both Alabama game, the Alabama game, Georgia went in looking to do two things. One, stop the run and two, stop the middle of the field. Don't let them get breakaway big plays in the middle of the field. They did it in both games. They were successful. Now the first two dri- or after the first two drives, those two scoring drives that they had to got it back to 14 all, They had eight carries for 43 yards. They had some running game positivity in that, which was probably the biggest point of the game to not have it, but they did. After that, they had 29 carries for 54 yards. Their running game was basically non-existent. The longest run after those first few drives was an Emory Jones 10-yard keeper. So you eliminated their running game. You eliminated Tony and Pitts, for the most part, in the middle of the field. You just got torched again, much like Alabama, on the outside. Now, how you got torched, Alabama did it with receivers. Florida obviously did it with running backs and tight ends. But in both instances, you've said, "Hey, I'm going to go into the game stopping this," and you've been successful in stopping what you wanted to, but you've given up other things because of it. Now, maybe you relook at your philosophy in terms of how you play, how much man and press coverage you play versus how much you know three deep, even maybe quarters type covers that you play, which is forty-four secondary, two safeties, two corners. Maybe you start to evaluate every little detail in terms of how you attack these offenses and it becomes beneficial to you down the road to the point where hey i have the athletes to make these plays it's just i need to put them in a different position to make them successful
1: gonna take a lot of work i gotta tell you i don't know if georgia fans feel as low as i do right now
0: i bet there are a lot that do obviously our message board at ugasports.com is is a fun read and if you're not a part of the site you should be just for that alone just for the entertainment alone that's on the dog vent folks live and die with it every week and this is not a good week unfortunately
1: we've given you a couple reasons to believe now let's go to the horrible numbers specifically for the Florida quarterback since we've already discussed the Georgia quarterback I mean when
0: you look at Kyle Trask he had a phenomenal game and you know, granted what we had talked about a little bit you know, he was throwing to a lot of just really open receivers but he was only pressured on 14 his 44 drop He was actually only blitzed on seven of those 44 dropbacks. And what's amazing about that is is when he wasn't blitzed, 26 of 36 for 383 yards uh, and one of the touchdowns. If you did not get after him in any way, shape, or form, it was chunk plays that they were getting. And obviously it was was sort of the wheel leak concepts that you heard over and over again and you saw over and over again. One of those, are we going to make an adjustment kind of thing to that in terms of a discussion point. But coming into the game, 65% of his attempts, had been less than 10 yards and Georgia was very effective in limiting his short passing game. But in this game, he was going deep. He did it more. Over 10-yard throws, he was 12 of 15 for 268 yards and three of his touchdowns. So it was one of those things where Dan Mullen went into the game and said, this is how I'm going to attack you. And they did it continuously versus when you look at the comparison, compare Stetson and DeWan, over 10-yard throws, they were three of 19 with two touchdowns and two interceptions. So the quarterback play obviously stood out as much as anything in this game.
1: Ugly, ugly, ugly. It hurts my heart, <laughs> but uh, – it just is what it you're is. a very
0: disheartened fan thug you're, you're a very
1: i am disheartened yes fan right now. i'm wearing it on my sleeve i haven't done this in years uh, maybe it's because i've not really had to in years and uh
0: expectations right you had yes, expectations
1: that's exactly right georgia fans i believe have been conditioned to have expectations now whether they've lived up to that that's a different story some people say yes some people say no i kind of lean toward no to be honest with you you get to the national championship you didn't win it. You should have. You, the next year with the SEC championship, you didn't win it. You should have. It feels like it's trended downward a little bit since then. Is that the way you interpret it by the numbers, anyway?
0: Yes, from especially from a defensive side that we've talked about. But I think one of the interesting things about this year, as much as any, once Jamie Newman opted out and wasn't going to be a part of your team, especially as, as late as it was,
1: your backs that in
0: essence gave you, but it also gave you the opportunity to say, hey, look, we had prepped all of fall. I mean, we knew we had to get a grenade transfer quarterback as it was because Fromm left early and because of Fields' transfer. You know, two things. But we had prepped all fall. This guy's going to be our starter. Other guys obviously get reps, but not starter reps and not having that starter mentality. It gave you the out to really be patient with Juan Mathis and say, hey, this guy right now is the most ready physically from a talent perspective to play, and we're going to live with some of his early mistakes. We're going to lean on that defense, lean on, you know, the running game, his own running game, till he gets comfortable. And then the first game happens where you're behind and, and it just doesn't feel right. And then Stetson comes in and plays really, really well. I think that, as much as anything, it was a step forward. Instead of taking two or three steps back to take eight steps forward, you took one little step forward that then later led you to taking steps back. That of uh, this season will be, especially n- now as you go through these last four games, I think that if you flip that, knowing that, and here's the key, that was your out, that's your, in a way, as a coach, look, we had a guy, we were going to roll with this guy, well, then we didn't, so we had to go with what we, and teach these young guys, and learn, and let them learn, and let them play through mistakes, and we did the best we could, and maybe you might not be, win an Auburn, or a Tennessee, or who knows what, I think you likely still do, though, so that was probably, when you look back at the season, at this point, that's maybe the biggest thing, is that, hey, we could have lived with all those mistakes, now, if the kid completely just isn't it, and can't do it, and it crossed the point of no return, and his confidence was just buried. Okay, fine. Then you have to move on. But that opportunity, I think, was one that could have been used early on in the season that wasn't.
1: So if you were to go back, you would have left DeWan in because you probably beat Arkansas even with him in. I
0: think so. They'd scored 10 points, barring him continually giving it to the other team. turn it over multiple times in that game, and yes, yeah, so let's go put Stetson in, but Again, knowing the youth, knowing that he hadn't played in a couple years, you're going to have to live with those mistakes. And that's what the next four games are going to be about. Hey, boys, you're going to go make mistakes. Go make them. That's fine. But fight back. Let's see what you're made of. See who wants to be a leader of this team moving forward.
1: Well, we got a lot of learning to do. We got a lot of work to do. And uh, there's always next year. I learned that from a Cubs fan one time. Look, if you're a big Georgia fan, thank you for listening to this podcast, first of all. But go to UGASports.com and PFF.com. Click on subscribe. For PFF, for the first time this year, you can get those copies. College grades that Brent's always talking about. $30 a year. Premiums at 120ugasports.com. 99 a year there. I'm a member. Insider information on the team. Recruiting and everything that is Georgia football. Brent, we appreciate the time, man. Look forward to getting another win. Let's get back in the win column against Missouri.
0: Get some positivity going, especially for Tug.
1: I got to tell you, man, I, if I had a liquor drink right now, I would guzzle it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, man. Make it a great day. See you.
0: Take it easy.
2: Are you doing enough in your life personally and professionally to market yourself? You have questions and the Marketing Mad Men have answers. Search the Marketing Mad Men on Google or your favorite podcast provider to get practical marketing advice from expert guests who are shaping and reshaping the business world. They say marketing is a madman's game. Join the Marketing Mad Men every Saturday at 4 p.m. to find out why.
3: This morning in the Atlanta airport, no one's missing a meal on Mac Wilburn's watch.